Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 17th of February 2024, and the title of today's show is Mother of All Bombs Nothing Can Stop What Is Coming. Censorship Industrial Complex and Russiagate Truth Revealed. Now, again, it's been a very busy week. Um, and before I get into the meat of the show, in terms of what I want to cover, I just want to briefly mention a few of the other things that have gone on this week. And one of them, of course, was the Fanny Willis fiasco, the hearing about her... Um, situation with her boyfriend and whether there was misappropriation of funds and so on. And it was a real fiasco. And even the mainstream media were saying it was a complete train wreck. So that's very interesting. Uh, Trump was fined more than $350 million by New York City relating to his supposed misvaluation or overvaluation of his properties in order to get the bank loan, even though there were no victims involved at all. And Judge Engeron is obviously a complete corrupt uh, Soros puppet. And Mayorkas has been impeached, so we'll see what comes from that. Another interesting thing is... Um, this came from Q News Patriot's latest video, and it's also been mentioned by several other people that in Putin's interview with Tucker, he seemed to be making some connections with the Q drops. And the particular point that was made, um, it was at 1 minute 35 seconds into the interview, where he starts to remove his watch, which has a black wristband. And Tucker is sat with a glass of water. He's suggesting it's watch the water, which is part of several of Q drops. And there was a black pen next to his glass pointing towards Putin's watch. And he also referenced... Uh, watched the pen many times. So it's being inferred that this was non-verbal communication, uh, saying basically that uh, Putin is well aware of Q and the Q movement and was signalling that during the interview. So very interesting. Of course, uh, Tucker has been getting a lot of pushback from people on the deep state side about his interview with Putin which is not to be surprised. But um, the latest 
interview that he released quite late yesterday, I think, or at least that's when I saw it yesterday on Twitter. And I was up till about three in the morning listening to the hour-long interview. And it was an interview with Mike Benz. And the interview title is The National Security State and the Inversion of Democracy. Now, because it was a, an hour-long interview, I've been through the transcript and just picked out some critical extracts from it, some that are most pertinent, I think, to what we've been seeing in recent years. And I really recommend that you watch the whole interview because it really goes into a lot of the background of what organisations were involved in what I've termed, with many others, the censorship industrial complex. And as a quick overview, it's basically telling the story about how it, the internet, once social media was uh, launched, derailed the control of the mainstream media, which was solely the source of the narrative and propaganda because there were citizen journalists replacing the official narrative of the deep state with truth, basically, and questioning the whole narrative that was being put out by the mainstream media. So let's get started on the interview. And bear in mind, this obviously is a transcript of... Uh, Mike Benz's speech, so it's not going to be flowing as well as if it was an article that had been written. Essentially, internet free speech allowed kind of instant regime change operations to be able to facilitate the foreign policy establishment State Department agenda. Google is a great example of this. Google began as a DARPA grant by Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they were Stanford PhDs. And they got their funding as part of a joint CIA-NSA program to chart how, quote, birds of a feather flock together online through search engine aggregation. And then one year later, they launched Google and then became a military contractor quickly thereafter. They got Google Maps by purchasing a CIA satellite software, essentially, and the ability to track, to use free speech on the internet as a way to circumvent state control over media over in places like Central Asia or all around the world was seen as a way to be able to do what used to be done out of CIA station houses or out of embassies or consulates in a way that was totally turbocharged. And all of the internet free speech technology was initially created by our national security state. VPNs, virtual private networks, to hide your IP address, tour the dark web to be able to buy and sell goods anonymously, and to end encrypted chats. All these things were created initially as DARPA projects or as joint CIA-NSA projects to be able to help intelligence-backed groups to overthrow governments that were causing a problem to the Clinton administration or the Bush administration or the Obama administration. 
In 2014, after the coup in Ukraine, there was an unexpected counter-coup where Crimea and the Donbass broke away and they broke away with essentially a military backstop that NATO was highly unprepared for at the time. They had one last Hail Mary chance, which was the Crimea annexation vote on in 2014. And when the hearts and minds of the people of Crimea voted to join the Russian Federation, that was the last straw for the concept of free speech on the internet in the eyes of NATO as they saw it. The fundamental nature of war changed at that moment. And NATO at that point declared something that they first called the Garasimov Doctrine, which is named after this Russian military, a general who they claim made a speech that the fundamental nature of war has changed. You don't need to win military skirmishes to take over Central and Eastern Europe. All you need to do is control the media and the social media ecosystem because that's what controls elections. And if you simply get the right administration into power, they control the military. So it's infinitely cheaper than conducting a military war to simply conduct an organised political influence operation over social media. So you had the systematic targeting by our State Department, by our ISI, by the Pentagon, of groups like Germany's AFD, the alternative for Deutschland there, and for groups in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Now, when Brexit happened in 2016, it was, that was this crisis moment where suddenly they didn't have to worry just about Central and Eastern Europe anymore. It was coming westward, this idea of Russian control over hearts and minds. And so that was Brexit, was June 2016. The very next month at the Warsaw Conference, NATO formally amended its charter to expressly commit to hybrid warfare as as this new NATO capacity. So they went from basically 70 years of tanks to this explicit capacity building for censoring tweets if they were deemed to be Russian proxies. And again, it's not just Russian propaganda. This was, these were now Brexit groups or groups like Matteo Salvini in Italy or in Greece or in Germany or in Spain with the Vox Party. And now at the time, NATO was publishing white papers saying that the biggest threat NATO faces is not actually a military invasion from Russia. It's losing domestic elections across Europe in two. All these right-wing populist groups who, because they were mostly working-class movements, were campaigning on cheap Russian energy at a time when the US was pressuring this energy diversification policy. And so they made the argument after Brexit. Now the entire rules-based international order would collapse unless the military took control over media, because Brexit would give rise to Frexit in France with Marine Le Pen, to Spexit in Spain with a Vox party, to Italexit in Italy, to Grexit in Germany, to Grexit in Greece. The EU would come apart, so NATO would be killed without a single bullet being fired. And then not only that, now that NATO is gone, now there's no enforcement arm for the International Monetary Fund 
the IMF or the World Bank. So now the financial stakeholders who depend on the battering ram of the national security state would basically be helpless against governments around the world. So from their perspective, if the military did not begin to censor the internet, all of the democratic institutions and infrastructure that gave rise to the world after World War II would collapse. Later, Donald Trump won the 2016 election. There was no moral quandary at first with respect to the creation of the censorship industry when it started out in Germany and in Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia and in Sweden and Finland. There began to be a more diplomatic debate about it after Brexit. And then it was, it became full throttle when Trump was elected and what little resistance there was was washed over by the rise and saturation of Russiagate which basically allowed them to not have to deal with the moral ambiguities of censoring your own people. Because if Trump was a Russian asset, you no longer really had a traditional free speech issue. It was a national security issue. It was only after Russiagate died in July 2019 when Robert Mueller basically choked on the stand for three hours and revealed he had absolutely nothing. After two and a half years of investigation that the foreign to domestic switcheroo took place, where they took all of this censorship architecture spanning DHS, the FBI, the CIA, the DOD, the DOJ, and then the thousands of government-funded NGO and private sector mercenary firms were all basically transmitted from a foreign folk, from a foreign predicate, a Russian disinformation predicate to a democracy predicate by saying that disinformation is not just a threat when it comes from the Russians, it's actually an intrinsic threat to democracy itself. And so by that, they were able to launder the entire democracy promotion regime change toolkit just in time for the 2020 election. The two most censored events in human history, I would argue to date, are the 2020 election and the COVID-19 pandemic. The censorship of mail-in ballots is really one of the most extraordinary stories in our American history. And what we're dealing with here are not acts of law-breaking, and my comment was the material that's being censored, that's basically support for Trump. Or if you know, if a left-wing populist had risen to power like Bernie Sanders or Jeremy Corbyn, I have no doubt they would have done in the UK. They would have done the same thing to him there. They targeted Jeremy Corbyn and other left-wing populist NATO sceptical groups in Europe, but in the US it was all Trump. So we are going to essentially take the CIA's power to rig and bribe foreign media organisations, which is a power they've had since the day they were born in 1947, and we're going to combine that with the power, with the domestic jurisdiction of the FBI, by putting it at DHS. So DHS was basically deputised. It was empowered through this obscure little cyber security agency, to have the combined powers that the CIA has abroad with the jurisdiction of the FBI at home. 
And the way they did this, how did a cyber and an obscure little cyber security agency get this power, was they did a funny little series of switcheroos. So this little thing called CISA, the, and call it the Disinformation Governance Board, they didn't call it the Censorship Agency. They gave it an obscure little name that no one would notice called the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, who its founder said, we just security, we care about security so much, it's in our name twice. And a note from me, remember CISA declaring there was no evidence of voting machines being hacked or tampered with after the 2020 election. It was created by Act of Congress in 2018 because of the perceived threat that Russia had hacked the 2016 election, had physically hacked it. And so we needed the cybersecurity power to be able to deal with that. And essentially, on the heels of a CIA memo on January 6, 2017, and a same-day DHS executive order on January 6, 2017, arguing that Russia had interfered in the 2016 election and a DHS mandate saying that elections are now critical infrastructure. You had this new power within DHS to say that cybersecurity attacks on elections are now our purview. So they said, miss this, and information online are a form of cybersecurity attack. And they said, well, actually, Russian disinformation is we're actually protecting democracy in elections. We don't need a Russian predicate after Russiagate died. So just like that, you had the cybersecurity agency be able to legally make the argument that your tweets about mail-in ballots, if you undermine public faith and confidence in them as a legitimate form of voting, was now you are now conducting a cyber attack on US critical infrastructure by articulating misinformation on Twitter. What ended up happening was in advance of the 2020 election, starting in April of 2020, although this goes back before, you had this essentially never-Trump, neocon, Republican DHS working with essentially NATO on the national security side and essentially the DNC, if you will, to use DHS as the launching point for a government-coordinated mass censorship campaign spanning every single social media platform on earth in order to pre-censor the ability to dispute the legitimacy of mail-in ballots. It's the Defence Department, the State Department or the CIA every single time. And of course, this was because they were threatened by Trump's foreign policy. They bragged on tape about how they got the tech companies to all systematically adopt a new terms of service speech violation band called delegitimization, which meant any tweet, any YouTube video, any Facebook post, any TikTok video, any Discord posts, any Twitch video, anything on the internet that undermined public faith and confidence in the use of mail-in ballots or early voting drop boxes or ballot tabulation issues on election day was a prima facie terms of service violation policy under this new delegitimization policy. 
And so they set up this basically constellation of State Department, Pentagon and IC networks to run this pre-censorship campaign, which by their own math had 22 million tweets on Twitter alone. And I think it's on 15 platforms. This is hundreds of millions of posts, which were all scanned and banned or throttled. They did this seven months before the election because at the time they were worried about the perceived legitimacy of a Biden victory in the case of a so-called red mirage blue shift event. They knew the only way that Biden would be able to would win mathematically was through the disproportionate Democrat use of mail-in ballots. They knew there would be a crisis because it was going to look extremely weird if Trump looked like he won by seven states. And, and then three days later, it comes out, actually, the election switched. I mean, that would put the election crisis of the Bush-Gore election on a level of steroids that the national security state said, well, the public will not be prepared for it. So what we need to do is we need to, in advance, we need to pre-censor the ability to even question the legitimacy this took out. And then later he says, this is right on the heels of the impeachment, the Pentagon-led, CIA-led impeachment. You know, it was Eric Charamella from the CIA and it was the Vindmans from the Pentagon who led the impeachment of Trump in late 2019 over, you know, an alleged phone call around withholding Ukraine aid. This same network, which came straight out of the Pentagon, hybrid warfare military censorship network, created after the first Ukraine crisis in 2014, were the lead architects of the Ukraine impeachment in 2019 and then essentially came back on steroids as part of the 2020 election censorship operation. What I'm essentially describing is military rule. I mean, what's happened with the rise of the censorship industry is a total inversion of the idea of democracy itself. What they essentially said is we need to redefine democracy from being about the will of the voters to being about the sanctity of democratic institutions. And who are the democratic institutions? Oh, it's, you know, it's the military, it's NATO, it's the IMF and the World Bank, it's the mainstream media, the, the NGOs. And of course, these NGOs are largely State Department funded or IC funded. It's essentially all of the elite establishments that were under threat from the rise of domestic populism that declared their own consensus to be the new definition of democracy. So those are the cherry-picked parts of the interview that I wanted to cover. But it's very interesting that yet another conspiracy theory has proven to be true, which is basically that the deep state control all our elections, despite the fact that all the deep state minions are screaming blue murder, that Trump is the one who's trying to destroy democracy and they're the heroes that are trying to save it. So um, good to know that we were right yet again. And I'm going to further show how the deep state has really committed treason big time in the Russiagate affair. I'm going to share three articles on public.substack.com 
And these are written by Michael Schallenberger, Matt Taby, and Alex Gutentag. Now, we've heard about Schallenberger and Taby before because they were involved in the Twitter files. And also, I have to say that if you've been following the truth movement, as I have been, of course, then some of this will come as no surprise because a lot of it has been revealed previously, I think in about 2017. I'm not absolutely sure of the, the date, but certainly we knew a lot of this. I think what is so damning is that it's now being reported on in the mainstream. And I think it was on Fox News that both Michael Schallenberger and Matt Taby were interviewed about these bombshell reports. So the first of these was published on the 13th of February. CIA had foreign allies spy on Trump team, triggering Russia collusion hoax, sources say. Last year, John Durham, a special prosecutor for the Department of Justice, concluded that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, should never have opened its investigation of alleged collusion by then-presidential candidate Donald J. Trump and Russia in late July of 2016. Now multiple credible sources tell Public and Racket, I think that's Matt Taby's substack, that the United States Intelligence Community, IC, including the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, illegally mobilized foreign intelligence agencies to target Trump advisers long before the summer of 2016. The new information fills many gaps in our understanding of the Russia collusion hoax and is supported by testimony already in the public record. Until now, the official story has been that the FBI's investigation began after Australian intelligence officials told US officials that a Trump aide had boasted to an Australian diplomat that Russia had damning material about Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. In truth, the USIC asked the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil Trump's associates and share the intelligence they acquired with U.S. agencies, say sources close to a House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, HSPCI, investigation. The Five Eyes nations are the U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. After public and racket had been told that President Barack Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, had identified 26 Trump associates for the Five Eyes to target, a source confirmed that the IC had identified them as people to bump or make contact with or manipulate. They were targets of our own IC and law enforcement, targets for collection and misinformation. Unknown details about the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign and raw intelligence related to the IC surveillance of the Trump campaign are in a 10-inch binder that Trump ordered to be declassified at the very end of his term, sources told Public and Racket. If the top-secret documents exist proving these charges, they are potentially proof that multiple US intelligence officials broke laws against spying and election interference. 
CNN, Politico, The Guardian and others reported in 2017 that the British Government Communications Headquarters, GCHQ, the UK's equivalent of the National Security Agency, NSA, was the principal whistleblower in the investigation into the alleged ties between Trump and the Russian government. GCHQ first became aware in late 2015 of suspicious interactions between figures connected to Trump and known or suspected Russian agents, a source close to UK intelligence, wrote a team of reporters for The Guardian in April 2017. This intelligence sharing was supposedly just the result of incidental collection, reported The Guardian. It is understood that GCHQ was at no point carrying out a targeted operation against Trump or his team or proactively seeking information. The alleged conversations were picked up by chance as part of routine surveillance of Russian intelligence assets. But now sources say the GCHQ's version of events is false. Instead, the USIC asked its foreign allies to target 26 members of Trump's team, possibly to justify the FBI's investigation. They were making contacts and bumping Trump people going back to March 2016, a source close to the investigation said. They were sending people around the UK, Australia, Italy, the Mossad in Italy. The MI6 was working at an intelligence school they had set up. The IC, a source said, considered the 26 Trump campaign people identified to bump or reverse target or manipulate through confidential human sources, CHSs, to be easy marks because of their relative inexperience. Doing so was illegal, both because US law prohibits such intelligence gathering unless authorised by a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, warrant, and because the weaponization of the IC for political purposes constitutes election interference. Brennan, former President Barack Obama, under whom he served, and the CIA did not respond to requests by public and racket for comment. No surprise there. The Justice Department also declined to comment, but the FBI and GCHQ did respond. The allegations that GCHQ was asked to conduct wiretapping against the then-president-elect are nonsense, said a GCHQ spokesman. They are utterly ridiculous and should be ignored. However, in our email presenting the claims to GCHQ, we did not refer to wiretapping, but rather to its UK spy agency's broader alleged involvement in the scheme. Said the FBI, the conduct in 2016 and 2017 that Justice Department Special Counsel John Durham examined was the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions, which have now been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. But the new information provided by our sources should significantly alter the public's understanding of how the USIC, including the FBI and CIA, began their illegal investigation into the Trump campaign's alleged collusion with Russia, the conspiracy and the cover-up. 
Previously released evidence supports the claim that the USIC began investigating Trump before the FBI began its crossfire hurricane investigation into alleged Trump campaign collusion with Russia. The FBI had already admitted that it should not have sought FISA warrants to wiretap Carter Page, a Trump foreign policy advisor. FBI had included in its FISA warrant application for Page non-credible intelligence from a confidential human source named Christopher Steele, a former British spy. A source told Public and Racket that IC officials had targeted Page because they viewed him as inexperienced. You look at some of the people who were there, the person said. They weren't sophisticated or experienced at disinformation or at dealing with IC people planting ideas or befriending you. In 2018, HPSCI released a 243-page clearing Trump of all allegations that he and his team colluded with Russia to interfere in the 2016 election. House Republicans had made a deal with the CIA to place their documents inside a safe within the CIA's vault. Sources close to the investigation say that from 2019 to 2020, HSPCI investigators continued working out of a small room in Langley and had access to raw logs and communications from agencies like the CIA and the National Security Council, NSC. The first of the IC's surveillance targets appeared to be former Defence Intelligence Agency DIA head and would-be Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Cambridge academic Stefan Halper, one of the few outed confidential human sources from the Crossfire Hurricane probe, approached Flynn in March 2016. The Stefan Halper story is ridiculous, a source said. He was the consultant to write papers that really weren't papers and paid inflated sums like $400,000. He was conducting bumps and intel contacts. Halper approached at least four Trump targets in total and was paid $411,575 by the US government in 2016 via the Office of Net Assessment, a Pentagon office that exists to pay off spies, as one source put it. When asked by Public and Racket if he thought the IC surveillance efforts started with him, Flynn said it actually did. The crazy thing is I had just gone through a full security clearance update investigation, which had just closed about six months prior. It included a polygraph examination. They knew there was nothing, absolutely nothing. A Maltese professor named Joseph Missud approached or bumped another Trump aide named George Papadopoulos. Bumping has all kinds of techniques, Flynn told us. The purpose is to get compromising material on them in order to then do something with them, use them in some capacity, or just to achieve a political end. House Democrats on the Intelligence Committee called Mifsud Kremlin-linked and a Russian cutout, but a source told Public and Racket that Mifsud was, quote, a professor who really worked for MI6, end quote. MI6 did not respond to requests by Public and Racket for comment. 
In his 2019 book, Papadopoulos described what had happened to him as a British-Australian operation and not a Russian operation. When asked if the investigation was motivated by desires to influence US foreign policy toward Russia, a source said it had nothing to do with our relationship with Russia. It was just leveraging capabilities to undermine an unprepared Trump campaign. One of the main motivations of the various individuals involved in the Russia collusion hoax appears to have been to create a cloud of suspicion over Trump. For example, evidence suggests that the head of security for the Senate Intelligence Committee, James Wolfe, leaked information about the existence of the FISA warrant, which claimed Page was an agent of a foreign power to the Washington Post in 2017. It was a crucial episode in creating the false perception that the Trump campaign had conspired with the Russian government. Told about the HPSCI report, Papadopoulos told Public and Racket there are so many unanswered questions that the investigation kept covered up. I do believe that the operation will be declassified should Trump get re-elected, which is why his second term represents an existential threat to the intelligence agencies. In response to Freedom of Information Act requests, the FBI released some of the Crossfire Hurricane intelligence in heavily redacted form. But documents released by journalist John Solomon in his lawsuit against the DOJ, Solomon v. Garland, show that the FBI's versions do not match Trump's unreleased declassified documents. Those documents include the FBI's notes on its investigation into Page and interview with Steele. HPSCI investigators tried to get their report declassified before Trump left office, but the CIA would not cooperate and rebuff them at every turn, a source said. The investigators had created a binder that blew up the assessment but couldn't get it out because the CIA controlled it, said a source. The investigation had to be done at their spaces and the CIA monitored investigators. The CIA always had a minder present while they worked on the report. So that's the end of the first article. The second article was published on the 15th. US government is hiding documents that incriminate intelligence community for illegal spying and election interference, say sources. Former CIA director Gina Haspel blocked the release of Binder with evidence that may identify her role in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Last December 15th, as Americans decorated trees, lit menorahs and prepared to tune out for winter holidays, CNN ran an extraordinary article titled The Mystery of the Missing Binder. How a collection of raw Russian intelligence disappeared under Trump. Co-authored by Natasha Bertrand, the gargantuan expose claimed a mysterious binder of highly classified information related to Russian election interference went missing in the chaotic waning days of Donald Trump's presidency in January 2021, raising concerns that some of America's most closely guarded national security secrets could be exposed. CNN and its intelligence sources meant exposure in a bad way. Sources have told Public and Racket, however, 
that the secrets officials worry might be exposed are ones that would implicate them in widespread abuses of intelligence authority dating back to the 2015 to 2016 election season. I would call the binder Trump's insurance policy, said someone knowledgeable about the case. He was very concerned about having it and taking it with him because it was the roadmap of Russiagate. Transgressions ranged from Justice Department's surveillance of domestic political targets without probable cause to the improper unmasking of a pre-election conversation between a Trump official and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to WMD-style manipulation of intelligence for public reports on alleged Russian influence activities. The CNN report claimed intelligence officials were concerned about the disclosure of sources and methods that informed the US government's assessment that Russian President Vladimir Putin sought to help Trump win the 2016 election. They should be concerned. The story of how a team handpicked by CIA director John Brennan relied on cooked intelligence to craft that January 6, 2017 intelligence community assessment is the subject of tomorrow's story, the last in this three-part series. Corruption, not tradecraft, is what officials are desperate to keep secret. The missing binder story has several variants. Sources offer differing answers on the question of whether anything of consequence is missing. They give mixed accounts of Trump's frantic last efforts to declassify Russia-related material. But nearly everyone public and racket spoke to agreed that the tale obscured a broader and more important story. Dating back to the release of the so-called Nunes memo in 2018, exposing the corruption of the FISA application process, senior intelligence officials, including Trump's CIA director, Gina Haspel, have repeatedly blocked attempts to declassify information about the Trump-Russia investigation. They had good reason to obstruct the release of these documents. As Public and Racket reported yesterday, the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, had foreign intelligence agencies run an illegal spy operation against then-candidate Trump's presidential campaign in 2016. This illegally acquired intelligence was used to justify the FBI official probe Crossfire Hurricane, which in turn spurred the investigation of special counsel Robert Mueller. The documents in question are said to contain information about the legal justification for those investigations, or more specifically, the lack of justification, among other things. Should more of that information be made public, it might implicate a long list of officials in serious abuses. Questions like these may be answered if the 10-inch thick binder of sensitive documents about the origins of the Russia probe is made public. Fear for reputations and careers, not national security, is what has intelligence officials panicked. FBI divided over Mar-a-Lago document raid. Multiple sources believe that Trump's possession of the binder, or one of multiple binders, led the FBI to raid his home in Mar-a-Lago, which led to the prosecution of Trump by Justice Department Special Prosecutor Jack Smith. A source close to the House Intelligence investigation said, we think a lot of that product in Mar-a-Lago is what investigators went through. 
The FBI was worried that there was a copy of the binder there, said the person. A source close to Trump said, I think retrieving the binder was part of FBI's motivation. It was Russiagate. It was years of Pfizer surveillance warrant abuse. It was doing a 702 Pfizer query to surveil 300,000 Americans. It was using taxpayer dollars to fund the Steele memo and get Justice Department lawyers when we fired Christopher Steele. It was the mountain of corruption we uncovered. But another source with significant knowledge of the Russiagate investigation was sceptical. I don't think the raid at all had to do with Russia documents. It started as a bureaucratic tussle. Look at search warrant returns. That's what they were looking for. There was nothing in there that does that. If you talk to the lawyers involved, they never said they were looking for Russia collusion documents. Trump himself has not said that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago to obtain the binder of information. It's uncharacteristic of him to stay quiet about anything, acknowledged a source close to the current 2024 Trump campaign. At the same time, the source added, it's easy to guess that his lawyers told him this is an active court case and so don't say anything about it. It could be as simple as that. That's the obvious explanation. CNN mentioned last August's raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in its piece last December, suggesting there may be a connection between the missing binder story and the FBI's search of Trump's property while noting no such materials were found. Justice Department Special Counsel Smith has charged Trump with 37 felonies connected to his removal and withholding of documents that allegedly contain national security information. Smith's aggressive schedule seems aimed at convicting Trump before the November election. The FBI's Mar-a-Lago raid was controversial even within the Bureau. Steve Dantuono, the former head of the FBI's Washington field office, told members of Congress in a closed-door interview that he opposed the raid. It's not against the law, he said. It's not against bureau policy, right? I just didn't think it was the right direction. In my experience, dealing with cases like this, when an attorney is involved, you give the deference to the attorney when you think the client might not be doing what they're supposed to be doing or cooperating fully, right? So our suggestion was to go to the attorney first and give him the opportunity to say, we have more evidence. A few weeks after the raid, Dantuono retired from the FBI. CNN reported that Trump's binder contained a classified House Intelligence Committee report about the IC's assessment of Russian election interference, according to CNN. The binder contained raw intelligence the US and its NATO allies collected on Russians and Russian agents, including sources and methods that informed the US government's assessment that Russian President Vladimir Putin sought to help Trump win the 2016 election, sources told CNN. Sources close to the Trump campaign disagree with CNN's article. Trump didn't lose it, said a person close to the former president. NARA gave it back to the Department of Justice. It's CNN fake news that Trump lost the binder. Another source cast doubt on the story by underscoring the role of CNN's Natasha Bertrand, 
who's authored a number of controversial stories sourced to senior intelligence officials, including the Hunter Biden story's Russian disinfo tale signed by 50 former spies. The CNN effort to suggest there are missing binders is not true. Natasha is one of the most inaccurate reporters in journalism. Look how many times she tried to peddle the debunked Alpha Bank story, even after the FBI dismissed it. Incriminating evidence behind IC cover-up, sources say. As Public and Racket reported yesterday, the House Intelligence Committee investigators found that U.S. officials had asked the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, which includes the U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia and New Zealand, to spy on 26 of Trump's associates and share the intelligence they gathered with U.S. agencies, sources close to the investigation said. In their research, investigators found multiple instances where there's no justification for any of these unmaskings from a national security perspective, explained a source. The threshold of what's in the report is that it's supposed to meet national security requirements explicitly, the person said. If it doesn't address national security themes, then the report shouldn't be generated. There were reports generated and then fed to the White House that were generic phone calls or reports on Mohammed bin Salman conversations with a Trump official. It would be Trump campaign official in New York, but then you'd find out that they'd asked for the name to be unmasked. CNN reported that the binder's contents included the FBI's problematic foreign intelligence surveillance warrants on a Trump campaign advisor from 2017. Interview notes with Christopher Steele, author of the infamous dossier on Trump and Russia, FBI reports from a confidential human source related to the Russia investigation and internal FBI and DOJ text messages and emails, among other documents. House intelligence investigators created the binder in 2019 and 2020 while working out of CIA headquarters in Langley. The binder consisted of raw intelligence logs and communications from the CIA and the National Security Council. The CIA monitored investigators, and the investigation had to be done at their spaces, said a source. Investigators wanted to declassify their findings before Trump left office, but the CIA would not cooperate. Investigators, a source told Public and Racket, created a binder that blew up the assessment but couldn't get it out because the CIA controlled it. A source told Public and Racket that a high-ranking official got it out of the CIA building in Langley, Virginia, where it was being held, and that when this official came to the investigators' vault at Langley, it was the first breach of CIA control. Trump's plan to declassify Russiagate documents appears to have been thwarted by the Department of Justice and the National Archives and Records Administration. The White House created multiple redacted copies with plans to share them with journalists and Republicans in Congress, CNN reported. Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, invited journalist John Solomon, whom CNN described as a Trump-allied conservative journalist, to review pages from the declassified binder on January 19, 2021. After he began reviewing the document, Solomon says the White House called to ask that the documents be returned 
for additional redactions. Shortly before Biden's inauguration, Meadows hand-delivered a redacted binder copy to the DOJ. It was at this point that an unredacted binder copy containing raw intelligence allegedly went missing. CNN, citing a former junior Trump assistant, suggested former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows took it home, an accusation he denies. Trump ordered documents related to Crossfire Hurricane to be declassified before he left the White House. But Trump's chief of staff sent the binder back to the Justice Department for redactions of Personal Identifiable Information, or PII. Gina Haspel, then director of the CIA, also fought against declassifying the House Intelligence Report and other documents related to the IC's Russia investigation. CIA sent over a binder the binder Haspel would never let out of the CIA, said someone close to Trump. Haspel did not respond to a request from public and racket for comment. They said the same thing about declassifying the information about Halper and Carter Page, said a person close to Trump. National security secrets. People are going to die. But it's always a cover-up of government corruption. Gina has more to lose because she was CIA chief of station in London when the FBI asked her permission in 2016 to launch Russiagate. She authorised it. Emails from Nara to Solomon and Kash Patel, chief of staff to the acting secretary of defence under Trump, revealed in a motion from Solomon's lawyers, suggested that Nara possesses a copy of the binder's contents but would not release it. In response to an inquiry from Public and Racket, Nara said in a statement released by the National Archives Public and Media Communications, the National Archives does not have a copy of the declassified Crossfire Hurricane binder. As noted in a lawsuit brought by journalist John Solomon last year in D.C., federal court, Nara identified a box that appears to include copies of the contents of the binder. The box contains roughly 2,700 pages with varying types of classification and declassification markings. However, Trump's lawyers in the classified documents case have called the official timeline of NARA's discoveries into question. According to NARA and the DOJ, NARA did not refer the matter to the DOJ until February 2022. In a motion to compel discovery, Trump's attorneys argued last month that sealed email records show that the White House Office of Records Management and the General Counsel for NARA began discussing Trump's handling of documents shortly after Biden took office in January 2021. Officials in both the Biden White House and the intelligence community Trump's attorneys argue appear to have been involved in efforts to prosecute him starting in early 2021. The Justice Department prosecution has not disclosed the nature of communications between White House lawyers and the IC to Trump's defense team. Heavily redacted FOIA documents suggest that the White House and the IC were involved in building the classified documents case that led to the FBI's August 2022 search of Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Leading up to the FBI investigation, Trump's lawyers alleged the White House was in communication with NARA. In a February 2022 text message, a NARA official wrote, 
The 15 boxes from Mar-a-Lago have consumed all our discussions with the White House. These and other records suggest improper involvement of the Biden administration in the case of classified documents and the political weaponization of NARA. And now for the third article, which was published yesterday, Obama partisan wrote false 2017 Russia intelligence assessment, says Insider. House intelligence report that debunked the 2017 intelligence community assessment on Russian election interference was written by introverted, wonky and nerdy professionals, not political hacks. Around 10am on a Saturday in August 2018, someone made the extraordinary decision to show a White House staff member a top-secret report written by investigators working for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, which is universally pronounced as HIP-C. The still-secret, never-released HPSCI report concluded that the Russian government wanted Hillary Clinton not Donald Trump, to win the 2016 election, and that then-CIA director John Brennan had manipulated a January 2017 intelligence community assessment, or ICA, which had come to the opposite conclusion. There was the top-secret version I was shown, said the man who came forward after reading yesterday's report by Public and Racket, There was an even more highly classified version that I was not shown, which had more details. I'm going to jump down quite a bit because I'm running out of time on this. What the HPSCI staff report showed was that the former CIA director Brennan had manipulated the ICA. It specifically said that there was weak intelligence that the Russians wanted Trump to win and that intelligence officers didn't want to include it, but Brennan made them include it. And it said that there was strong intelligence that Russia wanted Clinton to win and that intelligence officers wanted to include it, but Brennan made them exclude it. The report also concluded that the ICA had relied on the notorious Christopher Steele dossier, which had been commissioned by the Clinton campaign and relied on fake intelligence. There was pressure to rush out the report before Obama left office, he said, And so the production of the ICA did not follow normal procedures. The actual drafting was done by five intelligence analysts chosen by Brennan, and the lead author was a partisan CIA analyst who had served in the Obama National Security Council, he said. Why was the report never released? My understanding was the HPSCI chairman at the time, Devin Nunes, was waiting for the Trump administration to release Pfizer warrants against Trump campaign officials before he released this report. They couldn't get any traction in getting it cleared by the CIA, and given that it was a Republican administration, they thought the Trump administration could get it out. Added the man, I'm sure there's a copy of the HPSCI report at the CIA. In theory, there are still copies in the HPSCI skiff. So there you have it. The deep state are in a panic. Um, I've got to finish here. I've run out of time. But thank you so much for listening. It's a great week for more exposure. I hope you join me next week for another Cosmic Creating show. Thank you to Nancy for producing and to Derek Condit for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. And 
you can find him at mysticalwares.com and me at thesuccessalchemist.net. So until next time, stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.